Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the podcast dedicated to West Bromwich Albion. Please welcome my co-host back on the 4th of December 2010 when West Brom beat Newcastle United 3-1. He was there and so was I. How are you, Steve? I'm all right, mate. Where are we, kid? I was there, you're right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think I'll be saying that sentence in terms of the context of present anytime soon. I cannot see West Brom beating Newcastle United 3 1. Uh, but for the um, historians who are listening, it was Simon Choi, Odd and Wingy got a double, and Lovinkrantz scored for Newcastle United, if you remember him. I don't remember and, him, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I do. He was a striker. I, yeah, I, I remember, remember the name. I remember the name, but I can't place him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, there's 23,486 fans, and Mike Dean was the referee. Boom. Oh. Oh, no. Good on what a t- what a way to start the podcast. What a <laughs> what a ref. <laughs> start so, of the show as usual. Date stamp. Recording this on the fourth of December. Um, loads to talk about on this poddy as usual. We've got to react to the Leicester game. Um, Triple C's thoughts. I was fortunate enough uh, for Ali Jones to come on the podcast uh, earlier. We had a little chat about the MSD loan and an action for Albion and stuff like that. So we'll be playing the clip with myself and him in a little bit. Um, and then obviously we're going to go on to talk about the Sunderland game, which is coming up on Saturday. Um, so lost 2 1 against Leicester, unfortunately. Oof. Weird game. Weird game. Um, so I'll start off with the starting lineup. Uh, we had Palmer, Furlong, Kipre, Ajayi, Townsend, Mowat, Yakushlu, Phillips, Dean Garner, Samiento, and Thomas Asante. When you saw that team news, were you happy? Were you uh, disappointed that someone played? I mean, Samiento obviously had a good game. It's Cardiff scored the goal that won the game for us. So I don't think it was a surprise that he started. But yeah, what what was your thoughts on the team selection? I was. I was not surprised. Uh, um, I, it was nice to see Sarmiento start, to be honest with you, because um, he he deserved that as a bit of a reward, I think, and the fact that obviously he's uh, he's got a level of fitness now, so he can perhaps do that, whereas he wasn't in a position to do it before. Um, I was rather hoping that Josh Madger had start at number nine, though, to be honest with you. Um, so if there was an element of disappointment, it was the fact that we didn't start with him, um, because... I think it's an area of the pitch that we need to improve on a little bit. That'll probably emerge slightly more strongly throughout the podcast. <laughs> I saw a really funny tweet after, I don't know if it was this team news or maybe Cardiff's, but somebody tweeted, I don't know who it is, so I apologise. Uh, but they, they tweeted something like, at this point, with uh, Carlos's team selection, I just believe him. He could play John Swift at right back and Connor Townsend up front. And I'd just be like, okay, Carlos. <laughs> you know what? You know what you'd do, though, don't you now? Because of what he's done with this squad, is you would think, like, where if Steve Bruce had done that. But as it's Carlos now, you would put it down to some intricate and genius. Sort of, yeah, genius coaching move, you know, and a, and a new formation, all of his own sort of uh, devising. It's just he's just that that sort of a coach, isn't he? But uh, no, I mean, I, I thought it was um, I thought it was a pretty sensible uh, setup, to be honest with you. As I say, yeah. apart from what I mentioned, yeah. Um, so to go to the game, uh, Dewsbury Hall scored on the seventy-second minute. Madger, um, 
equalised on the 89th minute. And you think for all the world, great, we've snatched a draw, fantastic. And then I just don't know what happened. So um, the best way I can explain it is we were pushing for a, a winner. We get a throw in, which obviously Furlong does a good job with. He can throw them far and it's almost like a corner at this point. And we send everybody up. We send the whole team up pretty much. We might as well send Palmer up. We might as well send the kit man up. We just and the and the, uh, the boiler man. We just sent everybody pretty much into the box, and they broke, um, and scored. It, I think at the time, and I don't know if other fans um, agree with this, but it was like, what were they doing? What were they? Why have they done this? Then afterwards, I thought, I kind of like it. I kind of like that. I don't know, exciting. Yeah, let's just go for it. I referenced it in a tweet about Man City, and I think we lost 3-2. And we were, you were there, and so was I. Mm. And do you remember, I'm sure it was Brunty. We were like, we were, it was 2-2 with Man City. And we got a corner, and Brunty sprint. It's probably like, I don't know, the 92nd minute. Brunty sprinting to the corner, which is where we sit, um, and the um, Brummie Road to take the corner and you think this is madness we're off with 2-2 in Man City and we're going for a winner and I kind of like that about the Leicester game yes in hindsight we should have been more conservative but in some ways I kind of love it as well well I've, I, yes I get I get what you're saying and, and I mean that so much happened there were so many feelings and emotions and uh well, and expletives as well, to be fair, all around me. Um, and coming from me too, I will, I will admit. Um, it's concentrated into that into that sort of two or three minutes um, between our goal and their goal, if you like. Because um, it, the way I felt about it was, I, I, I certainly get what you're saying about the fact that, I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with that and I'm happy that we're trying to win the game. And I didn't really think why I felt like that until later, though, when I was I was driving home. When and I was, was, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but when, when Furlong was going for that throw-in, did you think, well, we've sent a lot of people up here? Or did you just was he just lost in the emotion of, let's get the winner? What, what was your feelings at that time? I was, <laughs> I was actually talking to Furlong. Was you? Yeah, I was I was talking to him. I mean, obviously he couldn't hear me because um, I'm sitting I'm I'm sitting in uh, E10, and uh, and I was actually chuntering to myself. I bet the people around me thought he was yumpy him, um, but I was actually talking to him. And I was saying, "Come on, get the ball into the six yard box," um, and I hadn't really, if I'm honest, taken notice that everybody was up. I mean, I was I was conscious of the fact that it was all concentrated in their penalty area, um, and and what they were trying to do was trying to reconstruct that where our goal had come from previously from a bit of a melee, I think, when mm -hmm. Madger pushed it in after that melee, and um, and you, at the, uh, for that short period of time, let's be honest, <clears throat> the um, momentum was with us. It it was the only t Leicester probably dominated uh, the majority of the. Uh, Statistically, the um, the possession, but at that time, just around about that time, when Fellows was on, not surprisingly, um, 
we were getting the ball in the box and we were the momentum was with us. So I was down with that. I was happy with that. And as I say, I was talking to Thurlong, although he couldn't hear me. Um, but um, and then he threw it in there. And then obviously the rest of the rest of it is, you know, sort of it played out as we know it played out. But there were opportunities, you know, to prevent that from happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, Malumbi was running alongside the player with the ball for about yeah, yeah. three or four seconds. Now, I look at players who would have just taken him, taken his legs, taken the yellow card. Yeah. And there was a bit of naivety know, with it, wasn't there? Really? Well, I'm not I'm not getting at him. I'm, I'm not getting at Jason Malumbi. Um, but that opportunity was there for somebody who's quick thinking, whoop, I'm going to nip this in the bud while it's still just about an hour off. Because mm. um, he could have done. But as it was, he ran, ran alongside him and he wasn't even in the foot race, really. Um, the only one who was in the foot race was was Furlong and he, he just kept sprinting. Um, but there was also... There was Townsend, uh, wasn't it? It was the last man. It, well, Town, it was... Was it Townsend? No, it wasn't Townsend. I thought he we went to engage him, but then oh, that's right. That, that's jockeying right. him. That's right. And and I thought as well, as thinking about Malumbi, and then I thought about, I hadn't actually identified it as, as Townsend at the time. Um, in fact, obviously, I still hadn't because I'm still talking about it as though I didn't know it was. I'm going to sound like a right idiot if it's not. <laughs> but, I I just out of, but just out of the corner of my eye, I saw somebody run towards the player with the ball and then make the decision to drop off. Yeah. But not only did he drop off, but he didn't sprint back. It was like, if you're not going to engage, then you've got to sprint back. And he didn't yeah. do that. So, again, there was a bit of decision-making there. And, again, I don't want to dig him out because it all happened so quickly. It's easy for me to sit here and talk about it afterwards. Um, but... And then it, the rest of it was just inevitable, wasn't it, really? Harry Winks nearly missed it. Couldn't just miss it, could he? You know, he couldn't just put it around the wrong side of the post for us. Um, but, of course, looking at it from Leicester's point of view, it was absolutely fabulous. However, having thought about it on the way back home, what I arrived at is, you know what? We went for that because the three points would have done us more good than the one point. Because... If we'd have taken three points there, it would have it would have consolidated us a little bit higher up in in the playoff places, and Leicester wouldn't it wouldn't have affected Leicester overly, except it put them in danger of being caught by Ipswich the following week. Which over the piece, it's not going to happen. You know, Leicester are going to win it. Um, mm. I'm pretty confident of that. But the three points would have done us good. So, and if we we had got one at the point of just before they scored. So we only lost one point. And really, it, we were on for three, but in the end up, because of a disastrous break, because it just fell for them, um, we only lost one. So, yeah. I mean, I, you know, when the goal went in, it, my crest has never been so fallen. You know what I mean? I was absolutely yeah. devastated. I nearly threw my cap um, into the bloody... Uh, Brummy Road end, to be honest with you, because you can't throw your cap. No, well, well, I don't know. I was absolutely. Oh, good. I got me out, me cap in my hand because I took it off my head, and I was just, just throwing it, threw it on the floor. I think in the end, and I was just absolutely devastated because you know to have that to snatch 
um, defeat from the jaws of a draw. Uh, it's so Albion, that is. But having rationalised it, and it's a good job we didn't do this podcast straight Ten after. Ten minutes after the final whistle. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's... Um, I've sorted it out in my mind, to be honest with you, and I'm not. I'm not devastated. Um, we, um, we we were all right. We we competed for the whole ninety what five minutes of that game. Mm. Um, we made some mistakes. You know, in the first ten minutes of the first half, I thought, what we couldn't control the ball. We were putting passes astray, uh, and then in, in the first ten or fifteen minutes of the second half, we were doing the same thing again. Uh, but we got there in the end. We 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 mounted some pretty cogent sort of uh, forays into their half. Uh, we could have been better, but hey ho, uh, they are a very good side, and um, and we didn't quite manage it. But I think, to be honest with you, uh, it's a lot of people on, on social media have been saying things like, "Oh, that point could be really important at the end of the season," and of course, they could be right. They, you know, that one point might make a difference. Um, but hey ho, you know, at the in the end, up three points would have made a bigger difference to us had we got them. So I'm yeah. not. I'm, I certainly don't mind the fact that we piled in there and and tried to win it. Yeah, we give it a go. We day off. So that leaves us in the same or fifth in the league, thirty-two points. On the positive, still four points clear of Blackburn, who are seventh. So by no means it was it the end of the world losing. Yes, okay, we're. A little bit of drift of Southampton in fourth place with five points behind them, but still well within the playoffs and, and things are looking positive on the field. Fingers crossed. Yeah, on the field, we're uh, we're looking a pretty competent bunch uh, yeah. thanks to uh, good coaching and the right attitude from the lads, to be fair. So uh, it's a bit of a blow, I suppose, losing, uh, well, a bit of a uh, expected blow uh, from my perspective, losing um, Phillips. But uh, and of course he'll be gone because it's his it's his hamstring yet again I think isn't it so uh, he'll be gone for uh, Christmas New Year and I've said my estimation is uh, eight to ten weeks. So let's hear from Triple C on his reaction to the Leicester games. Talking to WBA.co.uk, it was clear today that we were playing against a team who enjoy trying to dominate possession and they try to control the game with the ball. We had some possibilities when we tried to be aggressive in the attacking half, but at the same time, we suffered in terms of conceding some chances. By being more solid at the back, it meant we were less aggressive in attack. In the first half, through our own mistakes, they had a couple of chances. But in the second period, I think the game was under control for both teams. It's true, we didn't attack enough. After they scored, the team didn't give up at any moment. We reacted and we started to recover more balls and we were more aggressive. We managed to score and that would have given us a point. We tried to go for three points after that and we ended up losing a point. However, when you play at home and you have a throw-in in a good area, you have to go for it as long as you have the balance at the back. We need to analyse this situation in details. Their winning goal because there were two or three aspects that we didn't do well enough. At some point, we need to increase the motion and the organisation, something which is easy to say. I understand the mentality of the players. Going for three points, at times you can lose the one that you have. In general, we knew it would be difficult to create chances today against a very good team. At the same time, we didn't suffer many chances against. Every team demands a lot from you in this league. 
I don't have a lot of criticism for the players today. We just need to analyse and do better in terms of not giving up so much possession. We have to do better to attack more too. We have to keep going. We have another game next week and we cannot give up and we cannot relax. The teams that do that this season will go far. We are trying to be one of those teams. Wise words from Carlos from Triple C as usual. Um, so as I mentioned at the start of the programme, or the episode, I was fortunate enough to catch up with Ali Jones earlier. Me and you talked a little bit about the additional MSD loan. We talked about Action for Albion's reaction to that. And uh, Ali was kind of to come on the show and give us a little bit more context to uh, what's happening and their thoughts on what's the best way to go forward and hopes for what can happen in the future. Thank you very much for joining me, Ali. Um, there's been a lot going on with the club at the moment. Obviously, the extra or the additional MSD loans come out. You guys made a statement uh, in reaction to it. The news that sale the sale might be progressing or the reports of sale might be progressing. What's your reaction or take on, on the whole situation at the moment? As very much our statement, we, we uh, feel that it's the right thing to do to give the club opportunity and the time to negotiate for a successful conclusion for everybody. That includes, obviously, the club, which is the first and foremost in our mind. Um, and that's still exactly the same. The truth of the matter is nothing really has changed in regards to the negotiations are, con are still continuing. At the end of the day, we've lost £28 million off our turnover because of the parachute payments finishing. So when you add everything up in the grand scheme of things, if you think about the £20 million loan plus the £6 million from Bernie Fedora O'Shea that we took on the proviso that we add that up front, which is probably what most people would recognise is pretty unique in a transfer that's normally stag staggered over many seasons or a couple of or the length of the contract. Hence why Harlan Grant got a six-year um, deal from Albion so we could stagger the payments. We obviously needed the cash up front, so that's 26 million. So it wouldn't be a far stretch to realise that that the, with a 28 million missing coming to the end of a, a 12 months, we probably need some more money and most people would be able to go to their shareholders like Middlesbrough, Preston, Bristol City to name three. Yeah. We can't obviously do that because uh, he hasn't got any any interest or any money. So again, unfortunately, we use this when the, the f first loan came out, it's the least worst option. Um, otherwise, we had to kick the can as far as we possibly can down the road until a takeover happens and once you have a secured loan, you can't go anywhere else. So anybody thinking that, we, why didn't we go elsewhere? Once you've got a secured loan against assets, you can't go anywhere else looking for other loans because it has to be through the the, the provider that, that gave the first loan. So th that answers that sort of question. But what it has done, it should, would definitely have focused minds to make sure that the, now the, the time and the clock is definitely ticking there. Um, we estimate that it's probably... 12 weeks to get this concluded. Well, so it's uh, it's quite a strict time frame. Obviously, John Percy mentioned in his, um, well, he mentioned below his article, didn't he, in a tweet saying that the hope is that the deal can be concluded by January. And then he referenced the Derby takeover was done in 17 days. Is that your guys' hope that it will be done? Obviously, ASAP, obviously January will be the ideal situation. So we didn't have to trigger any sort of fire sale that's been talked about in the past or anything like that. Of course, of course, the um, the sooner the better. I mean, I'll be honest, 
it's not wouldn't be the right thing for us. We're a, we're, a, we're a protest group. We're not journalists, and it's not right for us yeah, to to comment on speculation, Mike. You know, I mean, like it's not being secretive. It's just not our not our comment on speculation. What I would say is absolutely needs to be done sooner rather than later. The fire sale thing. I've always been a little sceptical of we what as I say, whatever happens, whoever takes us over, it wouldn't matter if we shake Mansour. We'd have to look at our wage bill and reduce our wage bill because we we're under over 100 percent turnover versus wage. That doesn't happen. That doesn't change overnight. So yeah. that that's got to happen sooner rather than later. But yeah, I mean, answer the question honestly is as soon as it can possibly happen, the better. Yeah. And what was your reaction to? I mean, John Percy did a really good article recently. Obviously, named the um, the nations where the parties that were interested were coming from uh, and he also talked about Carlos Corbran what was your reaction to the whole article from John Percy? Well I thought the Carlos uh, Corbran stuff was absolutely brilliant and it, what, what made it abundantly clear is what a special manager we've got and we've continued to say that what we should do as a fan base we believe is get right behind the team this bloke's done an unbelievable job at making a squad that had I'd say not a losing mentality, but not far off. We, we, every clutch game last season, we bottled. Yeah. All of a sudden now, we've got a team that has a winning mentality. And whilst maybe it was naive on Saturday, wasn't it refreshing for me? What was refreshing for me was that we had a team that thought we could beat the best team in the league by a street because we scored in the last minute and we got done by trying to win the game. I mean, if you look on reflection, that's no bad thing. And it's a positive thing to have that we've got that belief that we can go on and win games against even the best team in the league. So the actual job that Carlos has done, I've said many times privately to many friends, in five or ten years, people will, won't understand how important a job that Carlos Corbran's done for West Bromwich Albion when he took over. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, we were bottom of the league and undesirable. What he's absolutely done with the results and the job that he's done, he's made us desirable. And many people that probably wouldn't have looked at us 12 months ago are certainly looking at us now because if you're foolish enough, and I don't mean that nastily at all, if you're foolish enough to invest in a football club, Arbin are probably as good an investment as you could probably get at this moment in time. Everything's there, it's close. And if we get a, a manager, that, uh, sorry, a, an owner that cares as much as the manager does, then we've got a real, real good opportunity to do something really special. I honestly firmly believe that. We're not that far away. He's turned around this football club with one hand time behind his back and I'll forever be thankful personally for what the job that he's done. Uh, I mean, as I say, there's a load of work to be done, but imagine what he would actually do with a little bit of funds and backing. Yeah. Um, in your statement, you've urged fans to focus on sort of supporting the manager and the players. I remember we talked before and you said... You know, with the protests, that was sort of almost like phase one. Is that correct yeah. in me saying? Yes. Um, so in terms of moving on to the future, you guys think the best route right now is to focus on the managers and the players and then give in the background, um, you know, the negotiations to continue and, and hopefully get to a positive outcome with new owners ASAP. Absolutely. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're stopping doing anything at all. What, what, what I'm trying to explain and I've tried to explain is that mass protests serve a purpose and they're brilliant for many many clubs like Reading who've got a massive issue. At the moment, for the way that we see it is who would we be protesting against? I understand and I listened intently to um, the podcast last week and everybody's got a right to an opinion. Nobody's right or nobody's wrong. I'm just giving you from our point of view what we think. Yeah, of course. Is, is that the, the protests were to get light want to sell the football club we believe not just us of course there's many reasons as to why mainly because he needs to 
But if we protest him, who are we protesting against? He wants out probably as much, if not more, than we do. So what I think would be the, the best way and the route, and not I, we as a, as a group, think working with Sherald for Albion, who've done unbelievable work that don't get the credit they deserve. And again, miles before we were on board, people like Lee and Peter Wall and people like that have done unbelievable work to protect this football club. And when it all comes out, when this is all said and done, you'll realise how much thanks most Albion fans have got to have for them. But we believe that pushing through the media like we're doing at the minute on Back on Talk TV on Sunday, keeping it in the focus of everybody in the national media and then working with Andy Street, Nicola Richards in the uh, political arena can create more pressure and give more tangible benefits than at the ground at the minute because at the end of the day, we are doing really, really well and we're not really protesting against anybody in the ground. That that sort of ship has sailed now. We've got past that. He wants to leave. He wants gone and there are negotiations ongoing so we feel the best way to help our football club and that's all we ever want to do is help the football club is by creating pressure in different areas rather than mass protests at the games we're not being quiet we're working very very hard still as hard if not harder than we were when we did the march and the shine a light we just feel that the focus of attention needs to be in other arenas now i get that some people don't agree with that and that's entirely up to them we haven't got uh, a, a clear just the unique proposal where we we're we're the only people that can protest all we're saying is we believe we've created a really good campaign and a pressure group but we believe that the pressure should be elsewhere now rather than mass protests that's that's all yeah no that's fair enough um and sort of one of my final questions is in your statement you mentioned that you'll be seeking dialogue with the club uh, to more fully understand the development and its implications um, is there any update on when you might be speaking to the club next or yeah, well, I spoke to Ian Skid more briefly. Again, um, there will be another meeting. We've scheduled to have another meeting in the next week or two. Um, I haven't had a firm date as yet. It might be a bit longer. At the end of the day, the last thing we want to do is create another uh, yeah. issue for the club. You know what I mean? That, yeah, as yeah. long as they're working on our behalf, and we believe they are, it's not tea and biscuits that we get accused of. We ask genuine questions, but at this moment in time, we honestly and firmly believe the negotiations are going on and the most important thing is we all have a satisfactory outcome and the club's in a better place from where we were. It's nothing about like sort of self-promotion or anything like that. If we did we honestly believe if we did protest now, it'd cause more harm than good. And I understand why people th- think it, but the Reading ones have been brilliant and we work very close with so before we die and we we talk to each other regularly, but they're in a, every club's different. They're in a completely different stratosphere. Nobody's talking to, to, to them from their club and they're in a mess. They've got HMRC bills. Albion are in a very perilous position, but we don't want to do anything that will potentially disrupt the negotiations that are going on. That, that, that's as simple and straightforward as that. I'm just trying to give everybody the honest answers as to why we're doing it. It's not because oh, we've bottled it or whatever. It's just because we don't feel it's the right thing to do at this moment in time. No, I think, I mean, obviously we had our opinions, like you mentioned on the podcast last week, but at the end of the day, we're all on the same team, aren't we? We all want the same thing, which is West Brom to be the best club it can be and obviously prosper so yeah you know like i said people have different opinions but we all want the same outcome don't we absolutely and and hopefully we want to unite the fan base look we're still all volunteers mike and we've made mistakes in the past we've openly and put our hand up to that and we've we've said that publicly we it's all new to us as well but we believe us when we say 
that everything we do is for the best of Albion. Nobody else, not Ali Jones, not Paul Faulkner, not Dave Rouse, nobody. It's just all about all what's better for West Bromwich Albion moving forward. There's a, um, We're welcome to have any help that we can, but and we will talk to anybody that wants to discuss why we're not doing a, the routes that they want to take. But those, are, uh, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to come on and explain in what the reasons as to why we've gone down this route. But again, we, we want to answer to every single fan that's a fan of West Brom. We, we, we've not got like sort of a, as I say, a carte blanche and the uh, and just a unique take on protests. We'll talk to any football, any Albion fan, and if they want to have a discussion with us, please contact us on our social channels, and we'll do our best to answer as honestly as we can. No, thank you. And with those social channels, obviously, you know, if people want to find you, if they haven't already, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so we've got our own uh, website, which is Action for Albion, which is the the, the, the word for FOR, actionforalbion.co.uk. And our Twitter handle is Action and the number for Albion. And obviously Facebook groups are on there as well, Action for Albion as well. And Ali Jones 9 is my personal one as well. That's brilliant. Thank you, Ali. Cheers, Mike. Thanks. So I'd just like to thank Ali for coming on the podcast uh, a little bit earlier today and chatting to me about action for Albion and like I said in the clip um, we may have difference of opinion myself and Steve myself and John ourselves and action for Albion you know we all have different opinion um, about the Albion but I think the most important thing is uh, we're all on the same team and we all want the same outcome we all want West Bromwich Albion to be a solid secure club so uh children and grandchildren have a club to support in the future so like i said thank you to ali for coming on uh, a little bit earlier today so let's move on to injuries you did allude to it earlier matty phillips is injured again um jed wallace also got injured in the game two big blows matty phillips has been excellent um but unfortunately this isn't a regular occurrence. Uh, so, uh, sorry, this isn't an irregular occurrence with him. His injury record speaks for itself. He and it, it, it sort of follows the same pattern, in my opinion. Starts the season really well. We all think, wow, you know, the best of Matty Phillips is back. But then, unfortunately, come around December time, he picks up an injury, and and it's happened again. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember whether I actually mentioned it on the podcast, but I've been anticipating it. Um, it, it it's expected now. Every yeah. every year, every season, around about this time of year, uh, he gets some sort of muscle injury or some sort of injury whereby he's out for eight weeks, ten weeks, something like that, and he seems to be, like, gone. Mm. And, it's, and it's always, it seems to me anyway, I mean, I, I haven't actually looked it up and seen exactly what it is. And I'm sure there are those amongst us who've st statistically analysed it uh, and uh, and they could tell you more precisely than me, to be honest with you. But speaking uh, just as a supporter, um, it's every year. And how can you rely on, on someone to... Well, you, you, you come to rely on somebody who's got a bit of quality about them um, to give us a chance... Uh, and like it always, like it always the same with Albion, it's the hope that kills. Um, and I was hoping this season it was going to be different. But if I'm honest, I was anticipating it. And I was not surprised at all when I saw him smack the floor 
in traditional frustration um, conveying mode. Um, and I thought, yeah, I go, that's a muscle injury and he'll be out for weeks and weeks. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's sad, um, but we've lost him. Uh, and I think there he got his injury. Um, and I'm, I'm now talking about Jed Wallace. That was a foul. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was out my seat at the time it happened. He was clattered from behind by that enormous centre half. And, and, and I don't know, the, oh, I don't want to be talking about referees because they bore the shit out of me, I've got to be honest. Um, but that was a foul. And he didn't, even get, he didn't give a foul. And now, I mean, he's going to be out for some weeks because if he's got a, a, a slight dislocation or something like that of that shoulder, that ain't, that ain't quick. So we've lost him for the Christmas period now as well. And another one of our quality players is out, uh, a forward. So, I don't know. We are blighted, are we not? Yeah, very true. Um, it is a shame that we're going to be missing Matty Phillips. But And this just reiterates what I said last week. I just wouldn't give him a new contract. I mean, I said some post about it saying we should go our separate ways at the end of the season. One of the, one of the ones that really made me laugh was, are you breaking up with him? Um, and I was almost tempted to comment and say, yes, it's not him, it's me. But, um, yeah, it that was... That would have been uh, good, actually. You should have done that. I know, yeah. But, yeah, it, um, it is a shame that he's out. And I think, like I've already mentioned, at the end of the season, it's probably best that he moves on. And so do we. Yeah, well, I think I think you're right. And, I mean, I said so as well. I think uh, I think I, f- I filled out your... Um, Poll wasn't it a poll choice, and and mine was you know he don't offer him a contract um, yeah. because not only is this a perennial thing, but also we've got a real talent coming through here. It seems to me in Tom Fellows. Yeah, that's true. And you know we cannot keep preventing uh, our, our really really promising kids from coming through and um, and and trying to give them the opportunity. But every time that kid comes on, he's he's somebody who gets me out of my seat because he gets the ball and he's only got one thing on on his mind and that's getting the ball in the box. Yeah, and he's, he's he, I've got to be honest, he looks like he's got a dangerous edge to him. Um, I can see him being a very very good player. Um, and well, if Matt Phillips is out now for a few weeks, then it's an ill wind that blows nobody any good, and I hope it's blown. Um, Tom Fellows some good because he's moved up a notch uh, in in um, in Triple C's thinking, I hope now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't resist. I'm sorry. But <laughs> the Express and Star have just released a story, or they released a story earlier today <laughs> with Uncle oh. Steve. What? Uh, <laughs> nah. So, uh, yeah, this Express and Star, Johnny Drury, um, I believe, catching up. Oh, sorry, no. Steve Roos was talking to the Ladbrokes fan zone. And he said, I'm disappointed with the way West Brom finished with me. I'm disappointed because I thought we were close to something which could have looked yeah, a lot different to the final picture. <laughs> which could have looked a lot different to the final picture. Yeah, going out of business for a different reason. <laughs> After 12 games in that season, we'd drawn eight of our games, 
to be gone after 12 games, I just feel you always need a little bit more time. But unfortunately, <laughs> I knew. What did I say? What did I say? I, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I don't want to feel like I'm picking on him, but I just can't. I can't resist. Like if he's going to say things like this, I've got, we've got to react to it. But unfortunately, I knew when taking the job that I wasn't really going to get time. I was taking over the job after Ishmael when the club sat in the top 10 in the table. I'm not surprised at where the club are today. I thought we brought in some very good players, Jed Wallace in particular, John Swift as well, and Brandon Thomas Asante up front, Eric Peters too. I hope the club are sorting their financial problems out because they really need to be addressed. I was just disappointed in how things ended. We could have easily won four or five of those first 12 games and it would have been a completely different story, but we didn't. We we are where we are and that's football. It's disappointed me, but I understand it's the way it is these days. Um, it's delighted me. Yeah. So, and also they talk about his exit from Newcastle afterwards and he said mentally off the back of the Newcastle exit I probably should have done things a little bit differently when the offer came in from West Brom a really good club it was hard to turn down I always knew the club should have been performing much better at that level with the players it had it just didn't work out in hindsight was it a bit too close after what happened at Newcastle maybe but in life I don't look back I don't regret anything really I'm pleased I had a bash at the job the club was in a difficult place financially. I just hope they can sort themselves out and the club doesn't find themselves heading in the same direction as so many other big clubs. I mean, you know, most of the stuff he said was fine, was, you know, towards the end. But this more time thing, it's just the narrative. It's a little bit silly. I mean, come on, Steve. More time. We would have got relegated. Well, we, were, we were on track. We were on track. For a relegation, weren't we? I mean, let's be honest. We were bottom of the league, weren't we? Pretty much when uh, when Triple C took over. And I think, we, we were, I think the first after the first game we were bottom of the league, weren't we? Yeah, well, after his first game, yeah, it was Sheffield United. That's right. But, but um, yeah, it, we were only going one way with Steve. And I mean, bless him, he, he's probably a nice bloke. He's, he comes across as a nice bloke, but he was spent. No, I agree, but. Like I mentioned already, I just feel like I'd have had more respect for him if you'd have said it didn't work out. I didn't do a very good job. I'm glad to see they're doing well. But this whole more time, it's just ridiculous. I think it, I think it's ingrained in managers these days that that's the thing to say because that's the one thing that I suppose, in fairness, nobody ever gets in uh, in being a football manager. Mm, true. So let's look forward to our next game. We're playing Sunderland on the 9th of December, though this Saturday, a 12.30 kickoff. Sunderland had a bit of a weird one. Um, I was looking at their results, looking at the league table, and on the face of it, you'd think, well, they're ninth in the league, 27 points, three points off the playoffs, not too bad. But in the words of their own fans, looking through Twitter, they took a bit of a nosedive. So the last five results was uh, they drew nil nil with Swansea. They beat Birmingham three one. But let's be honest, who isn't beating Birmingham at the moment? Um, Plymouth they lost two nil. Uh, they lost two one to Huddersfield, and they've just had a one one draw with Millwall. So yeah, uh, had a bit of a rough few weeks. Hopefully that continues against West Brom, um, especially with us being at home. But. Yeah, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts of the game and, and Sunderland? Obviously, Tony Mowbray coming back to the Hawthorns again and under a little bit of flack at the moment. Yeah, I noticed something 
there was there's been a little bit of unrest, fan unrest, uh, or disquiet. Perhaps it's not quite as strong enough to say unrest, but disquiet certainly. Uh, and I saw something calling um, calling him out uh, a little bit on social media. It's going back a, a week or two now, I think, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I think there's um, rumblings about. But uh, I don't. Tony Mowbray is a good uh, a good manager, and um, and I think if anybody will sort of uh, get them playing positive and um, effective football, he will. Uh, but I just hope he don't start until after uh, after our game. To be honest, um, it's going to be a toughie anyway. That is, it always is against Sunderland. To be honest with you, mate. So uh, yeah, I, I hope and expect us to win it. But that's I don't know. I don't know whether that's because. Uh, uh, that's the way I really think, or it's, it's my emotions getting in the way because uh, I don't know. We're after getting depleted at, uh, on the uh, on the injury front again, aren't we? We are absolutely. And just to mention, as we're talking about managers, the football merry-go-round continues. I know it's a little bit off topic, but have you seen that Sheffield United have sacked Paul Heckingbottom, and it looks like yeah. Chris Wilder's going to take over? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Full uh, circle. literally, uh, you know, at the moment, just to comment something away from West Brom. This seems to happen with managers, doesn't it? It's it's just like a merry-go-round. Um, it is. It's a club. Yeah. It, it's a club, and I, I, it's not it's not just managers. It's it's players as well. You'll see players. They sort of there's a sort of um, a circular motion with it. It's somebody who doesn't do uh, enough to get a new contract at such and such a club uh, will end up at a different club because the manager of that club that wants to take them on board thinks, oh, there's a player in there somewhere. I think I'm the bloke who can get the uh, get it out of him." And um, and and it's it's it is a merry-go-round. It's sort of like a spiral. Uh, into the end, they work themselves out of it, uh, and they will eventually drop off and go to somewhere else to play football if they're a player. Uh, Managers-wise, well, there's the Premier League, and then there's the Championship, and it just seems to be. Uh, they work their way into the championship, sometimes back up into the Premier League, and then they drop back down again into the championship. And he's gone full circle. I mean, he is the blade, um, Chris Wilder. It's uh, it's his club, isn't it? So uh, probably a good fit, to be honest with you, in the end. Absolutely. And uh, just before we finish the poddy, people might be thinking, hang on, isn't this a monthly podcast? What are you doing back after a week? Well, to be honest, we wanted to. And... I think the best way of putting it is it's at least a monthly podcast. We will definitely do our best to get once out a month. But if myself and Steve are free and we've got stuff that warrants a podcast, we'll do one. So I think the best way of putting it is we are at least a monthly podcast, if not more. Absolutely right, mate. And uh, I think I just want to make one more comment uh, a little bit on um, on our um, on this MSD loan. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I, I think... Um, I recall going back a long, long way that uh, this podcast was uh, was pretty instrumental in in talking about the dire financial situation that West Bromwich Albion were in. I think John was talking about it and we discussed it, didn't we? And uh, it looks to me now, uh, after the additional MSD loan that we've taken out and then the subsequent uh, I don't know, not revelations exactly, but certainly discussions about 
the ramifications of this additional loan, whatever it may well be, because we still don't know how much it is. Um, it looks like I'm, I'm detecting from various locations in social media uh, that um, it, it looks like uh, what we were talking about uh, sort of 12 months ago and with, with John on board. Yeah. Um, looks like it's uh, becoming a little bit of accepted wisdom, perhaps. Uh, and I think perhaps one or two one or two uh, locations are starting to realise just how bad things are. Um, and I really, really hope uh, and pray that back then we were wrong and, and right now that uh, even more people are wrong and we actually get through this. But I'll tell you, it's, it's a tough place we are in at the moment financially and um, we, we desperately need to get this, uh, this takeover sorted out before January, please. Absolutely. So it just leads me to say thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to support the podcast and listen to our back catalogue of episodes where you can hear about these sort of the concern that John and ourselves had in our previous episodes, talking about the accounts and things like that, you can do that by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice, whatever you're listening to us on right now. If you click follow or subscribe, it's really appreciated. And as well, share the podcast with a friend. If you've got a friend who's a Baggies fan, please share the podcast with them so they can get involved. And, and as I always say, more the merrier. So it just leaves me to say once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you very much for your time, Steve. Good talking to you as always, mate. Boing, boing. Boing, boing, pal.